Father, as we come to the time this morning where we open Your Word to study and to, to learn, we ask that You would open our hearts and our minds uh, with Your Holy Spirit. Just instruct us, teach us, guide us, cause us to be stronger in our walk and, and bolder in our witness, Lord. And we commit this time to You asking, Lord, all the distractions to be set aside that we might really concentrate on You and focus on You this morning. In Jesus' name, Amen. You may be seated. morning we're going to be again in chapter 13. We've got one more message uh, in reference to Christians and government. And uh, I think the title in the, the, the bulletin basically said something to the effect about you know, civil disobedience. Uh, I'm not trying to remember. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's just what it says, civil disobedience. And uh, the Questions come up, and, and I need to, to put it uh, together, I think. Uh, again, what point is, is civil disobedience allowed for the believer? And I talked briefly about it, but I want to give you some more detail on that today. But parallel, or tied with that is a word that came up a couple of weeks ago as I was going through initially on some of this uh, study uh, that I hadn't seen since I was in college in 1973 or two, back that far, and it's the word statism, S-T-A-T-I-S-M. And it's normally something you only read about in a political science book or, or somewhere along that line. And what it has to do is the idea that, uh, well, it's the philosophy that holds that the government must meet the needs of the people in the sense that it has all the answers. Uh, government rises to the point where it is the ultimate authority in all things. Now, we would most clearly identify, and certainly when I was learning this in the 70s, we identified it with the communist countries, the Soviet bloc, China, this type of thing. We would certainly see that in, in uh, North Korea today as, as someone who holds absolute authority, whatever he says goes, that type of thing. But it's really broader than that as, a, as an as an idea or philosophy. But basically the idea is the state has the final authority and, and that I, I think the way I put it, I remember even writing this down, it was, you know, it used to be father knows best, but now it's the state knows best. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's, uh, it, the state just simply assumes that it knows what is best for the individual as well as the whole. And that includes our children, uh, our insurance needs, and boy, I get, you know, half of you are going to get up and walk out now. No, uh, you know, uh, and and uh, you know, retirement. You know, the state knows best how to put it together and 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 make it work. And of course, we know from personal experience that what we're watching and observing that we're not. We'll at least scratch our head and say, "I'm not too sure," but. Yet we continue to look to, as a culture even in the United States, and this is where some of this comes from that we'll look at this morning, that we, we still tend to look to the state like, we'll fix it. And so we're going to take a quick look at that this morning. But in review, I need to do this in order to set the stage here. Uh, Romans chapter 13, verses 1 through 7. I would like to read again. 
Let every person be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and these who resist will incur judgment. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive his approval. For he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain, for he is the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Therefore, one must be in subjection, not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. For because of you, for because of this, the the, the government being needing to be there, you also pay taxes. For the authorities are ministers of God, attending to this very thing. Pray to all, pay to all that what is owed. Some of them would say pray. Uh, pay to all that is owed to them. Taxes to whom taxes are owed, revenue to whom revenue is owed, respect to whom respect is owed, and honor to whom honor is owed. And while that might have been a slip up in the word and say pray, but Nero thought it was a good idea. Uh, So uh, it's not too far off. Um, But not from an order from God. The source of government is clearly stated here. It's God. And Titus chapter 3 says we're to be in subject to the authorities. 1 Peter chapter 2 says we're to be in subject to the authorities that God has put over us. If you live in the United States of America, the authority that God has put over us starts with a, a, a three-part government system uh, and, and the Constitution of the United States and all the laws and myriads and myriads and pages and thousands of pages of laws that have come since then in reference to how we operate our country. Everything from, from laws that deal with speed limits to zoning laws that deal with how you can build and what you can build and where you can build it. And, you know, I recall saying a couple of weeks ago, that's one of the ones that always bugs me. Uh, and... I, I, I sometimes I feel like I almost wish I could do it this way, and that would be, you know, the the idea of, of if you get a permit to 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 put something in your house and you add some, you know, a, a little cement porch or you add anything and you get a permit to do that, the next thing you get is the tax assessor, and he comes by and reassesses your house, and so for your pursuit of happiness and joy. See how I tied that in there. I am now penalized and taxed higher for even though I don't take any more services. Or You see, it's easy for me to get sidetracked and on the, the soapbox. So we've got to be careful about how we look at these things. And the real issue is, is that first off, government comes from God. And I want to say, and this is the other hard part, well, good governments come from God. And, the, well, let me read to you in, in, in just looking at one instance. Uh, and this is dealing with uh, uh, Babylonia and Nebuchadnezzar and, and the likes. And it says, uh, I'll pick it up here. 
Now I, this is God speaking, now I have given all these lands unto the hand of Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, my servant. No. Do you realize how hard that is to think about? Nebuchadnezzar, the, the enemy, the Babylonians, the enemy of God, the idol worshipers, uh, the conquerors of Israel. No, but God used them, even raised them up, even gave them the strength, the power, and the means to conquer Israel in judgment for Israel's failure to follow God. Now, Nebuchadnezzar is going to sit there and say, oh, I'm mighty king, I do all of this on my own. But the irony of all of that is, is that in spite of it, even though he doesn't know it, he is a servant of God, the one true God. And I have given him also the beasts of the field to serve him. All the nations shall serve him and his son and his grandson until the time of his own land comes. In other words, when this comes judgment against him. Then many nations and great kings will make him, make him their slave. In other words, there's a day coming for him too. But the, I, it's, it's hard for me to, to look at that and say, God in his sovereignty has allowed Governments that are even evil to come to power to ultimately accomplish his purpose. We're told by Paul at a time when, well, you look at, at, at Nero, uh, you can't get more, despi- well, maybe a little bit more despicable than he was as far as the things, the way he treated people and prisoners and, and, and uh, his enemies. But the persecution of, of both Jews and Christians in his empire, uh, and especially the Christians towards the latter part of his reign. And yet, this is where Paul is writing and the time that Paul is writing. And he's saying, submit. And for that matter, pay the taxes that you owe. Jesus basically said the same thing. Look at the coin. It's a Roman coin. He was being tricked up. They were trying to trick him up, I should say, in reference to how he would answer a question about taxes because that was one of the, the things. The Jews were saying, we should, you know, paying taxes to Rome is like a blasphemy almost. You know, the, the, the Roman emperor and the, the Roman uh, stamp on the coin of, of, of the emperor. Uh, and he says, but who's on the coin? Well, it's Caesar. Well, that's, that's the, the, the secular side of things. Given to Caesar what is Caesar's. Given to God what is God's. And so we look at this, this, this picture. Government is, is put together, if you will. It's ordained and sovereignly overseen by God, even the wicked ones. And so I look at it and, and the part of me wants to say, I just I can't get my head around all of that. But the other side is I understand that God has allowed sin to run its course and its consequences. And it's an instruction to all to realize that man in control misses the mark. Period. Now, this idea of, of the government being the servant of God in, in verse 4 here in chapter 13, it says it twice, 
uh, doesn't mean that anything has nothing to do with theology at this point. <laughs> it just means that God rules over them. So uh, it doesn't mean that they're saved or, or anything like that. They simply serve the purposes of God on earth even though they don't know it. And whether they want to or not has no bearing on it. Our responsibility then to submit to it. The responsibility of, of, of government, uh, or man's responsibility to government is to submit to the authority. Uh, the idea of submit here too, by the way, and I didn't touch on this before, is normally I think of submit and obedience, but they're really not the same thing. Obedience is the outward. Okay, I will do what I have to do under fear of the penalty of the law. But if it weren't for the penalty of the law, I wouldn't care. But when I submit, I'm choosing to submit from the inside. There's something bigger than the penalty of the law overseeing me. And we get into this in a, in a moment, and it's our conscience as well. To do what is right because it is right. And we are also servants of God who have instructed us. I know people who, who say, you know, uh, they, they, and I know I, I, I probably wear this horse out, but the idea of, of how fast we drive on the freeways, you know, I, well, I can set my, my, my speed control at 68 or 69. And nobody's going to bother me because everybody else is going faster than that most of the time anyway. And so... No problem. So at that point, I am quasi-submitting to the law, meaning that I would choose to go 75, but I'm only going to go 69 because I don't think the highway patrolman will stop me for that speed, and, and I can get away with it. So I'm obedient in the outside as much as I have to be to get away with it, but I'm not submitting. Do you catch the, the difference? And by the way, I know you can get a ticket for going 69 miles an hour in the slow lane while you're being passed by other people. I just I happen to know that. <laughs> the car that I met my wife in was the sports car that I was driving, and 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 uh, she's she's still to this day convinced that was the reason he pulled me over. It might have been the long hair, the beard, and the sleeveless shirt. I you know I don't know, but. But anyway, you know, I recall the court, the, the, I challenged it because I was being passed. I was going in the slow lane and, 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 uh, and the judge said, first time I'd ever been called Mr. Hapgood. Uh, Mr. Hapgood, what was the speed limit? 65. Mr. Hapgood, how fast are you going? 69. But Mr. Hapgood, what was the speed limit? 69, 65. He says, how fast are you going? 69. But, and he kept, he, we went through that routine. And he finally, you know, he says, what you're upset about is you got caught. What I'm getting at is the difference of obedience in the spirit is, uh, or submission is, is, is that context of willingness of heart versus having to be out of, of just the practical idea of avoiding punishment. And our children, we raise our children. Sometimes the, they, 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 they learn, before they learn a desire to please, frequently it's, it's first the, the fear of what? Time out, a spanking, whatever. 
Uh, you know, I, 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 I can remember my, my aunt giving me timeouts, and, and she was willing to pay the price of, of sticking to it with me, and she ultimately won. And, uh, but, but my only point was I hadn't, it wasn't because I wanted to please my aunt. It was because she, was, she had the timer going, and she knew when 20 minutes was up. And she had a timer in front of me and a timer in the, in the kitchen. I didn't know that at first. The timer in front of me, I went, and it goes ding. <laughs> and I'm ready to get up, and she comes in and says, but mine hadn't gone off yet. <laughs> and we went back to the beginning and started all over. We went through that all afternoon. She won. But from then on, I was a lot more obedient. But at that point, it wasn't to please my aunt. It was I, I hated the timer. So you get the idea of what we're talking about. Uh, we submit to the government. Why? To avoid punishment, but also because of conscience. And this conscience, I want you to, I want you to be sure you understand what drives our conscience from a Christian perspective. And that is, first and foremost, faith in God that He is sovereign over all of these things that sometimes we have to abide by but that we don't agree with. And I'll give you another example. Paying our taxes when we know that some of it goes to things that we just can't support in our, in our heart, mind, or, or, or any other way. Now, there's some who advocate you deduct you know, the percentage of tax from your thing as a protest. Well, I'll, I'll tell you, you can go for that if you want. Uh, but and, and if you're really convicted to do that, by the way, then you probably should do that. Uh, but, but the reality is, and we'll see this in a minute, that there is consequences. So we're told that we're to submit, and, and I tell you when we do it by, by, by uh, this context of, of, from a Christian point of view, we're doing it because we have faith in a God who is sovereign. He is, we know that in spite of what we see, God is working out His plan, His purpose. And nothing is going to stop His purpose. Nothing is going to keep it from happening. Jesus was to be born in Bethlehem. But weeks before He was due, He was in Nazareth. That just isn't going to do. 1,500 miles away or however far it is in the, in, the, in the city of Rome. The emperor says, I want to know how much money I can spend next year. How many people we got to tax? We need a census. First time we've done this, but we need one. Well, in the Jewish culture, you've got to go back to your city of, of, of family origin. Even if you would never been there or lived there in the sense of, of permanently on your own, you still have to go back. Joseph's was Bethlehem. Mary's. Was Bethlehem. Nine months pregnant on the road to Bethlehem because Nero, or not Nero at this point, but Caesar wanted to know how much money he could spend. Caesar's just doing, he's just being greedy. But he's accomplishing God's purpose perfectly. Don't you love it? When you start to really think about it as it comes together. Not only are we to submit to this government, we are clearly to support the government. And it makes it really, really clear. Taxes, which is normally deals with property and income even back then. 
revenues, which deals more with the idea of, of a good idea would be a, a toll of some kind, a, a road toll. Uh, if you were in the, if, if we're not familiar with toll, well, we got toll bridges, so we're all familiar enough with that. If you if you get far enough away from you know here, uh, you have to pay a toll to go across. You know, those would be the areas of revenue. Respect, which is a sense of reverence, and honor, which is a sense of esteem. We're to give these to the government in the sense of of our obedience, our submission, and we do it not because they have earned it. We do it because God has asked us to. He has told us to. And we do it because we're confident that God in His process is working out His purpose. So we can do this. We can submit. By the way, we're also allowed to call on the government in the reference to times when uh, it has to do with our rights. As much as the law allows... You know, Paul did it twice. Once, when he was beaten and thrown into prison, came back time to release him. I think it's in Acts 16, came back time to release him. He said, no, where are the guys that, that beat me and put me in prison first? They have to come and do it. Why? Because it was illegal for them to do it. I'm a Roman citizen. And he pleaded his case. He was going to hold them accountable. So while Paul, you can see why Paul writes this about submission, there's a point in time where you can call on your rights. And the other right that Paul had was to hear, have his case heard before Caesar <laughs> in reference to, to uh, what he was being accused of by the Jews. And they had no choice because he was a Roman citizen. They had to yield. So I want you to see that, that it works the other side of it is we have... We, it's appropriate and, and, and right to use the rights you have. And so, remember the, uh, a couple of weeks ago I said about the what if. But what if, and we can put the first one easy. easy. What if I just don't agree with it, that what they're doing? When a government is, and from my opinion, not necessarily from a biblical thing or not anything like it, at this point we're just saying, my opinion is they're so corrupt I just don't agree. Or how, you know, really in a sense of that, how far should, how, how far should I, how far can I go as a Christian in opposition to a government when I disagree? And I'll tell you, I've had a blast with going through this thing with statism because I hadn't, like I said, I haven't looked at this word for so long. And when I got into it, it took me to, to some, some men that, that I really enjoy reading and have read before. Uh, for instance, uh, uh, Ray Pritchard. And, and uh, I mentioned him periodically because uh, you know, I, I hold him in high regard. And, and uh, he's uh, the, he, the first time I really got back to, I'd heard his name years ago, and then the first time that I, I heard it currently was when we did our grief care. And he's one of the men in the presentation and in, in, in the counseling part of, the, of the, the, the grief care presentation that we've done. And uh, his comment to this was, you can go as far as the law allows you to go. I thought that was interesting. So what do you mean? Well, he says, basically, you want to pick it, and the law allows you to do it, then pick it. Nothing wrong with that. You want to you put out a petition? How many times do you go to the, the Safeway, and there's people standing out there wanting you to, to read and sign a petition? 
or, or some kind, you know. We can, uh, we can write letters to the editor. We can write letters to our congressmen or our senators. We can, <laughs> I like that his list was kind of interesting. We can call up the talk show and really get into it. <laughs> we can make our own video and put it on YouTube. We can vote. We can encourage others, i.e. go campaigning, to vote. For that matter, if you're really serious about something that you don't agree with and you feel it needs to be improved or changed, think it's a bunch of crooks in there, why don't you run for office? And then he finished up this, this long article with basically, submission does not require you to keep your mouth shut about injustice and corruption. I want you to see. I want to make sure you understand because some people use this scripture; they misuse it in the sense of, well, Christians are just supposed to sit down and be quiet and submit. Well, no, but but in one sense I would say yes, but in the other sense I would say not if you see something wrong, and there's means and ways to do it within the framework of the government that you have to do something about it. Then go for it. And there's nothing wrong with standing up for what you believe is right. And it doesn't have to have a, a major biblical context at that point. We're not asking you at this point, when you disagree with something, you use these means to what? Disobey the law. We're saying to use the law to get your point across. Does that make sense? Has everybody followed up to that point? Okay. Because I have another, again, what if. <laughs> But this time, the what if is it counters or goes against God's Word. Now, that we went over a couple of weeks ago. Acts chapter 4, verses 15 through 21, where Peter and John are before the Sanhedrin. Basically, they... they in fact, it's, it's, it's interesting, you, you, especially when you look at verse 16 and 17 of Acts uh, chapter 4. It, it says, the Sanhedrin said, you guys go stand outside. We want to talk without you in the room for a few minutes here. Golly, what are we going to do? This guy was really, truly, uh, has been healed right before, you know, and, and we know that it's true, and, 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 and now they're preaching Jesus. What are we going to do? You know, you'd think they'd catch a hint here. They actually are agreeing he's done something supernatural, you know? And, and so they bring, and, 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 and it's, it's through Jesus. They said, Boy, the way, the way they talk, we know that he's, they've been with Jesus. Yeah. And so they bring him back in and they said, you are not going to go and preach this Jesus anymore. And they basically said, we have to. We're going to. Because we must. Just before Jesus left, the final command he gave us was to go out and preach the truth. And Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. So they scolded him some more and let him go. They went out and preached. The apostles, the rest of them preached. In fact, they went back to the upper room, prayed. The upper room shook again. I love that because most people get caught up with the first shaking in, in Acts chapter 2. I'm, more, I, I'm actually more impressed at times with the second shaking. Uh, and, and this time they were filled with the Spirit and nobody spoke in tongues. Instead, they went out with boldness and shared the Word. They went out with boldness and witnessed Jesus Christ, which, by the way, was the thing they did the first time as well, if you think about it. 
And with that picture, the Sanhedrin get in it again. You realize this time the, the apostles were brought together and they, they were, uh, they, God leads them out. I'm not going to go into the whole story in Acts chapter 5, but the ultimate picture is they, they beat them and then send them back out, release them. Really because they, if they hold them, they realize they're going to have a riot on their hands possibly, so they're, they're afraid of that. And so they let them go. But the apostles again said, absolutely distinctly clear, we must obey the law of God ahead of the law of man. We're going to go back out and preach. Now that's civil disobedience. That's actually saying, I'm going to break the law because I have no choice. I must stand on the truth of God. And when your law comes in in conflict with that, I have to make a choice to stand here. Most of us will probably never have a point where we have to take a stand. Where we say, this is what the, the law says. Uh, or this is what is right, and you're doing what is wrong, therefore I must stand right here and be concerned about that. But certainly within the framework of of history of the church and as well as parts of the church in the world today, that's still very much there. Now, there's a couple of examples, even in the Old Testament, about people who they heard the law, in one case, the law of Pharaoh... But they knew the holiness and, and, and the Word of God. Pharaoh says, midwives, kill the male babies when they're born. The midwives didn't do it. They came up with a rather lame excuse, if you think about it. Oh, those women are so healthy, they have the baby before we get there. There's nothing we can do about it. <laughs> But they, and they were, rep, they were dealt with, it says. It doesn't tell us what happened to them, but they were dealt with, and, but it implies and released. Um, they, they stood where they had to. But there's an interesting lady in, 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 in the book of Joshua who basically defended 12 spies or, or protected 12 spies against her own country. Because she realized these men are of God. And God has sent them. And I must do what they say. So, we can see the points where there has been civil disobedience and that's just touching. Well, no, it's Daniel 3 and Daniel 6. Daniel 3, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. I did it fast and right. I love it. Uh, and, And they... You know, we're told that they, they had to bow down. And they said, no, we can't. And they didn't do it with any disrespect in the sense, they just said, we can't do that. We can't bow down to, to, to an idol. And there's only the one true God that we believe in, and, that, and so we can't do that. Well, then you're going to have to pay the consequences. Well, I guess we have to pay the consequences. They didn't run off to the mountains or anything. They said, we'll have to pay the consequences. They said, well, the consequences are pretty severe. You're going to get thrown in a fiery furnace. <laughs> sure, you don't want to bow down. We're going to give you another chance. When the bells ring and the trumpets blow and everything else, you're going to bow down? No. Fiery furnace? Bow down. No. 
okay, fiery furnace. In fact, at this point, the king is so upset with him, he says he's in a rage and a fury that he stokes the, has the, the furnace stoked or they're going to be burned seven times. It's, I think it's seven times its normal heat. So hot that when the, the soldiers go to throw them in, the soldiers die. And all he sees is three guys and a fourth. <laughs> Don't you love it? Three guys and a fourth walking. Okay. And they did nothing happen. At that point, the, 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 the king's saying, uh, your God's pretty powerful. I'll acknowledge that. Okay, you don't have to bow down. But, but again, that was, they were civil, that was civil disobedience because back in that country, king says it, it's law, it's it. Chapter 6 of where Daniel and the lion's den, we know the whole story, I don't have to go into it. You know, civil disobedience. We are called to be good Christians as, and citizens of God's kingdom first. When the, and as much as possible, we're called to be good citizens, if you will, of the kingdoms that, that are on earth, wherever we are planted, if you will, in our case, the United States, as much as possible. We are to be good citizens. And, and more than one pa- uh, preacher and, and commentator put it, the idea is, is of as much as possible being at peace in this sense is the idea of bending over backwards trying to, to find ways to be at peace in order to, to be a witness to God. And so in the process of all of this, whether it's to stand on His Word unwaveringly when it's necessary, civil disobedience, or to, to bend, we even pay taxes that we don't agree with, etc., 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 to be a witness for God in reference to our walk in this world. So we're called first to be the citizens of the kingdom of God and then second to be citizens of the kingdoms of earth. Uh, The ultimate picture, I already think I I covered this, of of statism. Uh, uh, Today we would see in, uh, in countries like China, and we see obviously even there some conflicting things happening within their culture. Uh, but North Korea would probably be one of the best today of that total tyranny uh, idea of, of the ultimate final authority in all things type of picture. But there is a, an ultimate picture of statism in the Bible and it has to do with the Antichrist and a one world government. And I don't care what your theology is. Even that government and that leader, the Antichrist, will be in submission from beginning to end to the sovereign God of all creation. Period. And I absolutely love Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 8. Because... The Antichrist is going to basically stand there going like this and Christ is coming and it says at the, at the breath of his mouth and, the, and the, sight of the, of the sight of him coming or at his appearance, it all crumbles. And I, I, this is my picture. Jesus arrives, goes... <laughs> and everything they have is gone. Everything is over and, they're, and they are submitting 
And I wrote, Amen. Submitting to the government and the law of the land is, is also shows how, in a sense, well, we are submitting to Christ. I don't know that I like it put that way, but Paul said if you're not submitting to the law of the land and to the government, you, then you're, not, you're, you're, bunk, you're bucking God too. So, uh, to truly be a good citizen, but the reason why I mention that is to truly be a good citizen in this world in the context of its best picture, we first must be a citizen of the kingdom of, of God. And that makes us the best citizen in spite of how the government looks at our faith. In spite of what the government might do to try to curb or railroad our faith at times. There's a caution that comes with all of this. And this comes from R.C. Sproul. Uh, he says, because of our fallen nature, it would be easy to twist the principle for Christian civil disobedience uh, enumerated in today's study that he, just, he had just done uh, into an excuse to avoid the Bible's call that we submit to the government. Indeed, our fallen nature makes us prone to find any loophole we can in God's law in order to render something less than true obedience. In God's law, we do that. Okay? Beware of this tendency in your heart, he says. But also remember that your allegiance belongs ultimately to Christ and not to the state. Christ, period, is number one. Okay? But I like the way he put it. We, we, we all, we, the other way I look at it is we, look at where, we want to know where the line is. Always want to know, and you've seen me do this a lot of times, but where that line is. Uh, and, 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 and the idea is, uh, I, I want to get as close to the line as I can and experience all the pleasures and joy and stuff of the world, quote-unquote, whatever you want to think that is. And, and, and so, how close can I get without being offensive to God? Now, most of the time, quite candidly, we don't even think about being offensive to God. We think about being offensive to our co-Christians, our, our peers. Okay? How close to the line can I get? You know, and, and that's so alien to what... what Paul thinks, you know, Paul says, you know, basically the line is behind you. Your eyes are focused on the cross if everything's working right. And you, you, you could care less about what the line is. And by the way, my feeling is, and I really believe this, as you grow in Christ, the line stays right behind you. There are things today that I can't do that I could have done 20 years ago as a Christian simply because I didn't see them as right or wrong. It just didn't occur to me that it might be missing the mark. And in some cases, missing the mark for me, not necessarily you. And there's still that tendency to say, how close can I be to the line? You know, that's our human nature. And that's what he says. Since we have that, we want to do that with the government and everything else. He says, just be aware. Don't look for those loopholes that get you out of things. Look at the overall picture and submit from the heart because God ultimately is sovereign and He is in control and is accomplishing His purposes. By the way, we're also called in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, to pray for our leaders. And I'd like to take just a moment right now to do that. And I, you know, do I have a couple of volunteers that would, would pray? Uh, a volunteer would join me in prayer this morning for 
our leaders? There you go. First hand always gets it. Okay, Steve, would you pray and then I'll close with that. Lord, you tell us very clearly that uh, in your word that, that when we are in the process of praying, interceding for for those who are in high positions and authority, uh, kings and rulers, that this is something that is actually pleasing in your sight. Because it's a, a statement, again, that we have a faith in you and a confidence that you are working all of these things out to your glory and to your purpose and ultimately to our benefit as well. And we rest with confidence in that, with surety. You know, we know God of all creation is, 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 is in charge. And so we rest in that. And it makes us able to pray, even as was just done, for our enemies. And Father, we just simply thank You that your, your grace is so awesome and so amazing that it can change hearts in such a way that we're able to even do that. And Lord, where we're not able to do that, we ask that You would make us able through Your Holy Spirit in us, that You would lead us to that point. And maybe we would start out in obedience and do it because it's, we're supposed to do it and, and, and we're doing it because it's what You say to do but that you would change that to a submissive heart 
that's doing it on a willingly basis because of your glory and who you are. Again, we worship and thank you for all that you are, all that you have done, are doing, and will do. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, as we come to communion, it's another picture of Christ in submission to the Father. But Christ was also a lamb, if you will, it said led to the slaughter, but not by anybody in the sense that had authority over him. No one at the cross, at the foot of the cross, no one, including Pilate himself, had any authority except, as Jesus put it, that which the Father has given you. And it says clearly, Jesus could have changed the, turned the tables and called down, what is it, six legions of angels or something like that, which would, you know, could be up, well, thousands of angels. And I always say, if two could take out Sodom and Gomorrah's valley of Zor, then what would, would thousands do? Uh, you know, he could have done that, you see. So he had the power to, to he was completely submission to the Father's will with an absolute confidence that it would achieve its purpose. And, and, and we are to, to see that. And, and in communion, we see, you know, even before the thing, he said, this is my body broken for you. This is, this is the cup of my blood shed for you. Do this until what? I come again. And so with confidence, we come to the table today knowing that God is sovereign in control. No matter what's going on in the Middle East, no matter what's going on in Russia and Ukraine, no matter what's going on in Korea and South Korea, no matter what's going on, you know, we can just go through this list. God in His sovereignty is working it out. And there's a point in time where we're going to, like I said before and say many times, stand on the other side of this and just say, wow. Because we'll finally see from the other side of eternity what all this led to and what it's leading to and what it's, what it's for. I don't... I, I, I was thinking, you know, one of the, the commentators says, if you're reading this book to, to find the answers, sorry. <laughs> I said, you know, he says, I've, I've got the questions. You know, uh, but I have the answer in this context. Faith in God when you don't understand is where we rest. Isn't that what it's all about? Uh, so I'd ask the ushers to come forward, uh, pass the communion out, hold it until we've all been served, and we'll share it together.